Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner, featuring Jack and Andre. <laughs> Big welcome back to Andre, who's been uh, away for the past couple of weeks. And thanks to Gloria Bosse, who did a great job filling in, but very happy to have you back. And very happy that The Nightingale is coming back to Sydney. Yes, finally it's coming back. And we're so lucky to be able to give away some double passes to go see the film, to get people jazzed about it. Now, this movie, when it was out for the Sydney Film Festival, had people standing up. You were actually in one of the screenings that all the press was about, where yeah, people yeah. were like, I'm and not watching this. It was it's a sold been out reported sp- wrong as well. People said that the woman said, there's been two rapes already, but she actually said there's been three, which just goes to show how hectic this film is. More importantly, warning. she really vocally ran out and everyone turned heads. It was probably the most exciting thing that's ever happened in a Sydney theatre this year. And it's yeah. an Australian-directed film as well. Jennifer Kent, who also did The Babadook. That's right. She's put a lot of effort into this film. The Babadook, which was claimed to be the scariest horror film by the director of The Exorcist. So you know that she knows how to deal with those scary themes. And speaking of scary themes, we want to ask you today, which horror film monster or villain should be the next gay icon? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaz and Gladesville, you've already gotten in touch and said Michael Myers from Halloween? Definitely, definitely. Get that white mask going. Uh, I mean, I definitely think that, you know... <laughs> as a gay icon. <laughs> as a gay icon. I mean, it doesn't get any more gay icon and doesn't get any more horrific than Sarah Jessica Parker as a chihuahua in Mars Attacks. And also, like, the oracle in Midsommar, the yep. incest oracle. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I- I'm going to say one of the aliens in Scary Movie 3. Right there, Spice right there. there. Yes, we aliens. All the women who are rock climbing in The Descent who get attacked by monsters. They're not really monsters, but... The Texas Chainsaw Mascara. Oh, there we go. Ooh, the Jigsaw like from Saw. Have all of them. <laughs> Jigsaw already is a queer icon. Uh, fully, fully. Have some fun with it. Get creative and text in which horror movie villain or monster should be the next gay icon to win one of two double passes we have to go see The Nightingale. Mm-hmm. The text line is 0409 Movie news. Okay, so most people can't sit through a movie for longer than three hours, but Mm. someone's really trying to stretch our attention spans with a new documentary that goes for 14 hours? That's right, that's right. Who would have thought that we could get 14 hours of content about female directors, Mark Cousins, of all people, who is only the third queer critic after you and me, Jen. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that's the case. Anyway, so Mark Cousins, who's a famous documentarian, has created already a huge 14-hour documentary about the history of film, and now he's back with what he's calling The Women Make Films, A New Road Movie Through Cinema, which is basically just a huge encyclopedia of all the female directors that have existed. And it's just a textbook documentary narrated by my mum's cousin, Tilda Swinton. And it's premiering at TIFF. When you think about it, like, 14-hour film is just a series. Exactly. I mean, famously, as they say in the industry... That's just a series. <laughs> is this is this news piece just to name drop Tilda Swinton? <laughs> well, everything with Andre is a way to name drop Tilda <laughs> yeah, Swinton. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's actually quite amazing. I think it'd be really yeah. cathartic to watch a 14-hour work about uh, all of our favourite directors. So all the unwritten history. And they are going to break it up. Where are you going to be able to watch it online, in cinemas, on TV? I guess we'll find out after Toronto. Mm. You know, I think hopefully it'll be bought by someone. Hopefully it'll be on SBS World Movies mm. and we'll be able to check it out on On Demand. Yeah. That's 
the ideal for me. Bring it on demand. There's some sad movie news this week, as you might have seen, about an Australian film lord legend. We've lost another one. Did you say film lord legend? Legend. legend. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Film and, lord legend. Um, I think just a warning to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, we will be mentioning her name, so tune out now. Um, but Australian Indigenous actor Ningali Lawford Wolf has died at the age of 52 in Edinburgh, Scotland. Particularly tra- tragic that she wasn't on country. Uh, she was touring the stage production of The Secret River, which we all know is like a really hard-hitting show by the Sydney Theatre Company about Hawkesbury River. Um, if you haven't heard of the actress, she appeared in Last Captain Darwin, Brand New Day, Rubber Proof Fence, really seminal Indigenous Australian films. Yeah, and she's just a legend. I think um, there's stuff that I can't say on radio, but stuff I've heard about her and what she got up to throughout her like broad career and life is just amazing and like... And, people should. It's and a it, great time to revisit her films, I think. I was going to say, if anything beautiful can come out of this, it's that people will be able to find out who she is and revisit the important works that she was in. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Last Cab to Darwin. It's my sister's favourite film. I always make fun of her for it, too, but she's always like, Last Cab to Darwin. I know, I like, want to make... Like, you are such a Last Cab to Darwin kind of person. I want to make, like, a hearty soup and watch Last Cab to Darwin tonight. You can do that on your own. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now tell us about the follow-up to Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. What, what is it and when is it coming out? I actually have here that it was um, one of Bridie Tanner's favourite films of last year. I did like Lady Bird, yes, famously. So, Greta Gerwig's new film, next film, is going to be an adaptation of Mary Louise Puckett. Did I get that right? Was that her name? Alcott, sorry. Uh, novel Little Women. Um, and it's got every single person that you love from Hollywood. Laura Dern, Meryl Streep, Timothy Chalamet, Sasha Ronan, and also Florence... Pew. Pew. From Midsommar. That's right. Ah, Who's on the rise. Which one was he in Midsommar? Uh, Florence Pugh is the lead actress. It's called Little Women. Who (laughs) goes through the most in that film. Ah, yes. Yes, of course. Whoa, what a fantastic performance. I can't wait to see that. Fabulous. In a Little Women remake. Is it called Little Women? Little Women. Little Women. And Gillian Armstrong's going to try and die before it comes out. We spoke to Gillian Armstrong, who made a 1994 version with uh, Dame Kirsten Dunst. Is that right? And Winona Ryder. And uh, Gillian was kind of... She was kind of P.O. that she was... Because her producers helped produce Little Women, Greta Gerwig version. If that news was confusing to you guys, just go check out the trailer. It's already racked up 3 million plus views on YouTube. And... I hate to be lame, but maybe I'm excited for it. Maybe I'm excited for it. I think the I'm excited for the amount of Timothy Chalamet haircuts I'm already seeing. Okay, Timothy Chalamet should totally play every single band member of Green Day because he has that thick black hair. <laughs> Why doesn't Timothy Chalamet just do remakes of every single Christian Bale role? I want to see Timothy Chalamet impersonate Christian Bale, but also Gwyneth Paltrow. I want to get into two reviews. Okay, fine, let's do it. (laughs) Uh, We're going to go to a quick song first and keep your texts coming in to win a double pass to The Nightingale, which will be getting the two reviews treatment today. Mm -hmm. Someone saying, Godzilla, a nod to the taxi club at 3am on a Sunday morning. Okay, (laughs) in-joke. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, this is Boydos. It's all right, look at me, I'm young. You're on Movies, Movies, Movies. Mornings, FBI 94.5. Boydos. It's all right. Look at me. I'm young. My name is Bridie. That's the name of the song. I wasn't saying that. This is Movies, Movies, Movies on FBI 94.5. One. No, no, no. Two reviews. Two reviews. Give me more reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two Hey, Film Lords, I've been nagging you about The Nightingale, what's it like since it came out, and we're going to get to Jack's review of The Nightingale after Andre tells us about No Time for Quiet. 
That's right. No time for quiet. No time for quiet. <laughs> well, here we go. We've got a little bit of time. We've got a little bit of a trailer here that uh, just misfired. I'll, I'll just get that up. Here we go. Welcome to Rock House. We're going to form a band and we're going to write a song and we're going to perform it. Sorry, sorry. I'm awkward. I'm terrified. So people probably have heard about uh, Girls Rock. Mm -hmm. It's a camp for girls, young girl, women and gender non-conforming kids to go and learn to rock out. That's right. Yeah, starting bands, writing songs, learning an instrument. It's kind of like a holiday program kind of thing. But there's a documentary about it called No Time for Quiet. And it's basically about punk rock snatching your gender non-conforming non-combining, gender non-combining, non-conforming, binary nonning kids and putting them through a queer exclusive workshop for young punk rockers. So grab your corn dogs because here comes a scoop of Chili Cheese Equality. It's a short female-led documentary about kids growing into baby Carrie Brownsteins. No Time for Quiet isn't just about participants, quote-unquote, in some holiday program. The teenagers are riddled with mental illness, fearlessly dropping bombs about confused ableist parents through song, instrument, music, and their bands. Their cuts about mental illness, wanting a license, going out with a fake ID, a so classic teen in the best way. And if I had a purple note for every film showing someone say, being with a lot of amazing women has given me the confidence to dot dot dot, I'd be Sydney Rent dried up. This movie is rare and not in style, which is frankly the biggest letdown of it all, but in its sheer existence for the sake of teen dweeb truth telling. FYI, my favourite band names in the film were Dead Therapy and Up for Discussion. Because I feel <laughs> Not Sound like, of Saturn. I feel like uh, all of our teenage years are up for discussion. Make content out of that. <laughs> yeah, seriously, book smart that shit. So cute. Uh, Courtney Barnett makes a brief appearance as one of the mentors. And um, it's just a dope concept to have a holiday program where you get to start a band. I never had something like that growing up, even though this has been going for years. But if you're tired of seeing, you know, kids... Uh, doing fun fit sports and uh, pottery classes during school break and want to see them like jamming and becoming little paramour nerds, then no time for quiets for you. Mm, it is a program that runs in Sydney every year. But really? Yeah, girl, Girls Rock. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and in Canberra as well. Your and hometown. Tokyo and Reykjavik. It's actually fully international. It's That's kind so cool. of unbelievable. And this documentary has work every single above-the-line role, so all the key roles are by women, which is amazing to me. I love when Courtney Barnett says, everyone should just, like, make art and see what happens. Don't beg to be on someone's show, just make your own. Whoa, words to live by. Bye, Bridie, Jack and I bailing. <laughs> <laughs> As I shake my Courtney Barnett hair. <laughs> so, No Time for Quiet, the documentary, in a word. This word might sound cynical, but it's actually endearing, and it's dweeby. Yeah, I like anxiety-inducing. Anxiety-inducing. <laughs> Let's take a listen to the clip uh, from Nightingale. Yonder hill. We don't want no trouble. That's just the way, isn't it? You don't want trouble, but sometimes trouble wants you. I feel like it's haunting enough for me. Mm. Do I need to go see the movie, Jack? Mm. I'm scared enough. You love that jingle. You love that little tune. <laughs> <laughs> I do. The Nightingale song. The Nightingale track. Yeah. Yeah. I know, maybe like the most important thing about The Nightingale is like deciding whether or not to see it rather than the actual film. And I feel like everyone in this country has to like make that decision. Elaborate. 
Okay, so the first ever film made in Tasmania was called Manganini, and it was somehow a PG film about a Palawa woman looking after a little white kid while she tries to find her people after the black line, which is, if you don't know about it, research it. We're now deep in R-rated territory with The Nightingale, and it sits somewhere between Lynette Woolworth and Rolf Dehir's collaborative films and Soda Jerk's Terra Nullius. It's another addition to the growing canon of post-colonial, self-reflexive local cinema from white Australians that, with close consultation with elders, depicts the abject horror and toll that the British invasion had on this country. She reclaims the full force of gothic Lars von Trier Lynchian on-screen abuse to deal with the current anxieties of violence against women and genocide. Kent decided after the Babadook to make this, and at the Venice premiere, where she was the only female director, she was called a whore. Uh, This film is more than an articulate and surreal story of grief and unimaginable trauma for an Irish convict slave rape victim, move over hereditary, more than a story of that woman's slow and at times frustrating awakening to her own prejudices against the letter mariner tracker who she realises is confronting the attempted genocide of his entire clan, move over Midsummer. It's a raw shark test for whoever looks at and listens to it. Bordering on an outright guilt porn and revenge fantasy, the film leaves room for hope and constructive critique. Move over Palm Beach. The colonial soldiers are moving bloodstains, and when we see them through the trees, we remember who the common enemy is. Yeah. I think this film is um, one of the best films of the year, and not because I think it deals with things effectively or politely, but because it's so challenging and so gripping in how it's dealing with these issues because not only has it got the weight of the themes behind it but it's just made so beautifully and suspensefully and the editing is just it just rips your heart out like films like you were never really here which subject matter wise are quite demanding but the way it's made is just so fascinating and we have two double passes to go and see the nightingale we're giving away today right here on movies 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 Mm. we're asking you to text in which horror movie villain or monster should be the next gay icon because the babadook famously is babashook (laughs) (laughs) Uh, someone's saying the goat in the witch 100% queer icon and icon yeah every goat is queer every goat is gender non-conforming totally true totally true so text in if you want to win this double pass to go see the nightingale Mm -hmm. 0409 945 945 jack and Ange, what do you give the nightingale in a word best movie of the year all hyphenated and one other thing i was going to say if anyone texts in we're actually interviewing jennifer kent straight after the director of the film um and bay carly who's the actor lead Mm -hmm. actor of the film and if anyone has any questions that they want to ask directly if you might have seen this film at the sydney film festival um just text in and we'll have it on the show next week we've got one more song for you to get your answers in Mm. which gay icon uh, which horror movie monster slash villain should be the next gay icon uh you must be an fbi supporter to win prizes on this station so make sure your details are up to date you can Give producer Bria a call on 833 if you want to double-check that. This is Bachelor Pad Easy Living, and we'll have the uh, winners real soon. Easy Living by Bachelor Pad. You're on FBI 94.5. Mornings, Bridie here. Jack and Andre, my film lords, about to jump out and interview Jennifer Kent, the director of The Babadook and The Nightingale, which we're doing our double pass giveaway for today. What's happening in uh, Sydney screenings this week? Well, I guess before we say our farewell, we have to tell you about a screening of The Farewell, which is the hotly anticipated uh, breakout film by director Lulu Wang. Uh, it's got Aquafina in it from Crazy Rich Asians and also from uh, Singing My Badge. Mm. And <laughs> it just looks like the soul food that you need in the cinema this week. It's, it's getting rave reviews. It's, it's about a wedding, but doesn't... Wait, is it about a wedding or a funeral? Uh, I'm, I think it's both. It's I think both. It's a- she goes back to China to get back in touch with her family, and it just looked the trailer just like 
absolutely destroys you. It looks like the most beautiful film ever made. Um, and it's screening this Friday at 6.45 at Dendi Newtown. Mm-hmm. You can get tickets online. I'm really excited about that. And we also, we also highly recommend a screening of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which is happening straight afterwards. If you can get across town by 9 o'clock that same night on Friday, we've got your night sorted. 23rd of August, 9pm. Rare, 35mm <laughs> screening. 35mm, you know what? It's just grainy. That's all it is. Where, they just where, add a couple of grains to the screen. Where are they showing it? Oh, that is a great question. The Ritz Cinema, which is where we saw the Nightingale Sydney premiere, where there was chaos, there was catastrophe, there was walkouts, (laughs) people going crazy. That is kind of the spectrum of films that we like to see, is like The Farewell and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, anything in between is just three and a half stars and we're not interested. And The Nightingale, when is that coming back to... When will we be able to see that? That's coming out today. No, it comes out Thursday. No, it comes out on the night. Oh, maybe they're just doing... I think there's a screening doing tonight of it. Yeah. But Thursday, right. Thursday, Thursday. Uh, and uh, are we going to announce the winners of the of the giveaway? Or oh, we need are we a bit s- more time. We need a bit more time. Uh-huh. As you, uh, as you, as you talk, <gasps> Brie... Drum roll, please. Is, um, is uh, finding out if those text line entrants were mm-hmm. supporters or not. Truly, truly, truly. So, JB, speaking of uh, horror movie icons that deserve to be eulogised as gay icons, yeah. there's something about paranormal activity and the family in those in that movie that just feels like there needs to be a gay couple. <laughs> <laughs> it's messed up. It's messed up. There isn't a gay bee getting completely traumatised by a And I wonder or... if there's a theory that gay couples can't be possessed by demons, which is so unfair. I mean, come on. Well, that's because all ghosts are gay already, and truly. it's really... The whole story is just straight couples getting traumatised by gay demons. And why would a gay ghost want to infiltrate a heterosexual family? I mean, there's just no logic to that at it all. It sounds so funny to Look, me. Look, Jack mm-hmm. Andre, my <laughs> film lords, you better go jump on the phone okay, with fine. Jennifer Kent. Yes, that's right. We'll figure out which of our entrants is going to win one of those double passes to go see The Nightingale, and I'll announce it in the next break. Fabulous. Thank you so much for coming in. We'll catch you next Monday from 10.10. Sounds Bye. good. Thank you. Cheerio. You're on FBI 94.5. This is Isadora Fake Nice. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.